0: Well, this morning, as you may have already figured out, I'm going to talk to you about persecution. Thankfully, persecution is foreign to most of us, and we're happy that that's the case. Others of us have uh, experienced really significant persecution, and you know the sting of it. You know the desire to be a peacemaker, only to have the clash between your kingdom values and the values of others be just too much, so that you end up paying the price for it. This morning is the capstone on this list of right-side-up kingdom values that Jesus gives to us as an introduction to his sermon. And if you think about it, this last item we're talking about today makes no more sense than the rest of them. Because the rest of them don't make much sense either when you think about it. I mean, who would ever say, hey, lucky you. You have no spiritual resources. Oh, good for you. You're mourning. Or, well, what? Sorry, you're meek. Or you're unsatisfied or you miss out on so much because you're pure in heart. Or you're just as you because you show mercy. Good luck trying to be a peacemaker. I mean, you're just a loser. That's really how this list strikes us. Strikes us, frankly, as un-American. And so we have to come to grips with really what is life going to be like in God's kingdom. And of course, the glorious right side upness about this list and all makes all of these apparent losses turn into gains. Jesus makes what looks like liabilities become kingdom assets. These things that we would identify as painful struggles, Jesus himself says, are indications of truly living. And so this morning we reach the end of these Beatitudes. This list that Jesus gives us to inform us about what life is like when the world is truly right side up again. And so let's read it. It's in Matthew chapter 5, if you haven't turned there in your Bibles already. Matthew chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so, here at the end of the Beatitudes, Jesus wants us to know that even if the world is against you for Christ's sake, that is one of the keys to being truly happy. One of the ways in which you become fully alive is to be persecuted for the sake of Jesus. So, that's what we see in verse 10. He says, You are fully living when you are persecuted for living in a righteous way. Or, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You'll notice right out the gate that there is a qualifier here. It is not simply, Blessed are those who are persecuted, period. It's blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. To be persecuted literally is to be pursued. To be gone after. To be uh, aggressively mistreated. It's not persecution if you're just sitting there. As they say, poking the bear or stirring the beehive. You deserve what you get then. It's not persecution if you simply hear about how the sky is going to fall and then you sit around and worry about it. Which happens a lot. And I'm just going to say, there are many, many, Christian organizations that make their living on convincing you to be afraid of persecution that's coming. I'm really tempted to name names here. But I hope that simply by reading the headlines of their articles you can figure it out. Because that is... Let me say it this way. I'm going to say this again several times. They are not working in your best interest to try and get you to be afraid of being persecuted. They're working against your blessing. And so I want you to consume whatever magazines uh, those are very carefully. In fact... I say that because of the number of times that I have been warned as a pastor about people coming up to me. I say, oh, I hope it's not going to be illegal for you to preach about. And then they fill in the blank. And it usually isn't about Jesus. It's usually about, um, you know, sexual orientation or it's usually about some other kind of a pro-life thing or whatever. And they're so worried about me. And so, what am I going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? Should I lobby my congressman? Should I marshal the Christian vote that, uh, you know, to somehow override the people who represent those ideas? I, mean, I want you to listen carefully because I think this is, a, this is a pretty big problem for the Christian church. Most persecution, especially here, Is not government persecution, even though most of the alarm that you hear is about government. And the prospect that we could somehow avoid persecution because of a political victory is some kind of confusion of categories. See, I'm not in danger of losing something spiritually that I might win back politically. In fact, in this beatitude, Jesus says that there is no risk of ultimate loss. No matter who is elected or what policies are in place or anything. And when I wring my hands in fear and begin to speak disparagingly about people who hold different political ideas that I do for fear that they will take it out on me then the very people Jesus would characterize as my neighbors, whom I am to love, become my enemies. I turn them into enemies. They're not my enemies. And I just want to say, right out the gate here, that the witness of Jesus is not filled with fear. And so... If I'm pursued, if I'm persecuted, it also must be for righteousness' sake. That's the qualifier here. And many times, what is chalked up to persecution is simply that people are being jerked that they're acting in a way that no one would like regardless of whether they're talking about Jesus or whether they're talking about their favorite football team or whether they're talking about anything else. In other words, it is not about righteousness. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. To be persecuted for righteousness sake has to do, and we'll see this in the very next verse and you can look ahead if you want. It has to do with Jesus. It doesn't have to do with what I like or dislike. What I'm comfortable with or what I'm not comfortable with. I think I'm just going to say it here. I appreciate it you all wearing masks. To wear masks like everyone else does everywhere else in our world is not persecution. I don't like it. I'm sure you don't like it. We'd all rather have it be some other way. But it doesn't make it persecution. There's nothing more inherently righteous about it one way or the other. And so, we need to really be clear about what it is that is this just cause for persecution. What is it about our concern for the rightness of the world with God, His righteousness, that is worthy of being persecuted for? Talk more about that in the next verse because it becomes even more clear. But he says, "He says you. It looks like you're losing because there will be friends and family members. There will maybe there'll be the government. There will be religious people who come after you for doing what is right. But you're not the loser." Yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's amazing. That's amazing. You belong to the king of the universe and you have a place in his kingdom when you're persecuted. The beautiful thing is this this beatitude ends with the same blessing that the first beatitude had. And there is this uh, inclusion here that all of these have to do with inheriting the kingdom. The second half of each of these verses signal that if the first half of these verses represent you, if you're like this, you belong in the kingdom. Look at the second half. What a a list. What a glorious kingdom Jesus promises. Comfort. Inheriting the earth. Satisfaction. Mercy. Seeing God. Being called sons of God. All of this is yours when you are a kingdom person. Then verse 11, you are flourishing when others revile you and persecute you and speak falsely against you. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. That's how you know that you are truly living. That's how you know you have life. In fact, it's very interesting, these other, these other ones come at us like sort of an automatic you know, rifle. Bam, 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 bam. And then here, Matthew doubles up. He stops and says the same thing again. To make sure that you recognize, if you are persecuted, there is blessing. He doesn't want you to miss it. He's, he's going to go back and repeat it so that you don't just skip over it and, and lump it in with everything else. If you are insulted, Peter says in 1 Peter 4, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. I mean, Peter, is, Peter just plagiarizes, doesn't he? Probably wasn't a bad, such a bad thing back then. I guess there's Jesus you you maybe you should play dries. <laughs> We're told in Hebrews 11 that one of the markers of faith is the ability to look past this reviling or evil speech. And that's what it tells us about Moses. I mean, this is this is beautiful. It says he considered the revilings of Christ or the reproach of Christ greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. Moses Moses was clear about what it meant to live in this world in in really the best circumstance. He had everything at his fingertips. And he said, to be reviled for the sake of Christ is better than all of that. See, it's one thing... (laughs) It's one thing to say, yes, there will be reward in heaven. It's another thing to compare your rewards and say, you know what? It is going to be better to, be, to, to have reward in heaven than to have all of the treasures of Egypt. And here's where he clarifies what he means, I think, by righteousness' sake. The evil speaking comes on your account because of Jesus. He says, he says, it comes on my account. It comes, t- it comes because of me. If it's on account of Jesus, it's because of Jesus, not because of you. The other thing about, you have to know, this is wonderful, it's not personal. It's trouble that's borrowed from Jesus. And it's probably important to say that he's talking here not about being persecuted on account of secondary things that are not linked to Jesus and his kingdom. He's talking about being persecuted on account of Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the reason for the persecution. I don't think he's talking about what misfortune might come to you if you take a stand on a moral, political issue. And there are plenty of in our time that you could take a stand on. But I think he's talking more centrally about the kingdom and about Jesus himself. It's probably also worth saying that if I'm persecuted because I'm making a nuisance of myself, it's likely I would have been a nuisance anyway. And I could have been persecuted for anything else. I mean, if I'm I'm playing praise music way too loud in the neighborhood and they ask me to turn it down... That's not an account of Jesus. But we think it is, and we get all in a knot, and what Jesus is talking about here is truly pursuing what is right in the name of Jesus and suffering for it. Now, let me say it this way: I, I, I hope that this helps you. The rest of the Beatitudes form a grid that governs the means as well as the ends that may result in persecution. In other words, if I'm persecuted for not being poor in spirit, I'm not being persecuted for the kingdom. Because being poor in spirit is a kingdom thing. And if I'm, if I'm not poor in spirit but getting persecuted because I have an attitude, that's different. But if I'm mourning and meek and merciful and pure in heart and hungering for righteousness and peacemaking and then I'm persecuted, there's a lot better chance that I'm being persecuted then for the sake of Jesus because I'm representing with my life as well as my words the reign of Jesus because I'm reflecting the values of the kingdom, not just the words of the kingdom. So that I'm advocating for King Jesus while living like King Jesus. And I would say it this way, that the Beatitudes need to govern the means of our behavior and the means of our moving through the world as well as the ends of it. So that it's not merely that we herald Jesus as king, and he is and we should, but it's that we do it in a way that is poor in spirit and mourning and meek. And the way that we do it is important as well. And so all of these beatitudes, I think, that, I think part of the reason he ends up with yours is the kingdom of heaven is so that we recognize they all roll together. And you can't just say, I'm going to go get persecuted without also being poor in spirit and meek and mourning. John records this for us in John chapter 15. He says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you're not of the world and I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. And so, you're blessed when you're persecuted, when you're reviled, when people speak evilly, evil, falsely on, your, uh, on the account of Jesus. So much so that he goes in verse 12 and gets carried away. Be extraordinarily happy because you have a great heavenly reward. Like the prophets, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Up till now, these Beatitudes have been either past or present. He's either looked back and look, or looked around. To say, "Blessed are you who mourn." Blessed are you who uh, are peacemakers. And he's looked around, or he's looked back, and said, "You've had this. You're, you are meek. Then you can look forward to this." But here in verse twelve, it's all ahead. Rejoice and be glad when this is coming at you, when it's going to come at you. Look, look ahead. And be glad. And this is really, this is just crazy. Rejoice and be glad. Be exceedingly glad might be another translation. This is a command. To rejoice and be exceedingly glad. How glad. How glad is glad? How glad do I have to be, really, when I'm persecuted? Okay, the the closest that I could come up with, okay, some of you will appreciate this more than others, is, is when the beavers beat the ducks. <laughs> you need to be that happy. <laughs> happy as a beaver fan there. In other words, there needs to be a level of rejoicing that is that you feel on the inside, you might say, is visceral. And it's, it's crazy that you should be that happy. But that's how certain he sees this reward to be. That if you're persecuted, that is cause for you just to say, good for me. because I am set for God's blessing. There are a few other places it talks about being this happy in the Scripture. In First in Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible And filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And to give you other words, joy that is, rejoice with joy that's inexpressible. It's not just joy, it's just you are to rejoice with joy that's inexpressible. In other words, I don't even know how to talk about this. It is such good news when you are identified with Christ in His suffering, that you just should be giddy. 1 Peter 4.13 says it said this way, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. There it is again. That there is this sense in which I am certain I belong to Christ. When other people can identify it in my life and in my words. And when I'm that certain, then I can rejoice and be glad because there is another day coming. that's really the message in in 2 Timothy 3, which says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How am I going to know if I'm living a godly life in Christ Jesus? I'm going to know it when that other shoe drops, aren't I? When... The persecution comes when other people can identify me with Jesus in a way that they can speak against me because they don't like Jesus. See, that's the, that's the way that this persecution works. And Jesus goes on to say then, because this is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They persecuted the prophets. I was reading in my quiet time this week in Jeremiah, and actually, this is the honest truth. I knew that this was in the text I'm preaching on. I said, Lord, I just I just need some glimpse into how they persecute the prophets, because I I don't have much here. And that morning I read where they flogged Jeremiah and they put him in stocks. And they mistreated him to the point... So this is is how they persecuted the prophets before you, I'm just saying. They mistreated him to the point that he cursed the very person who told his mom, it's a boy, when he was born. That's how they persecuted the prophets. In Hebrews 11, it says this, Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Stephen, uh, we know Stephen as the first Christian martyr, he rehearsed the history of Israel and then pointed the finger at the scribes and the Pharisees and said, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Then he said, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? This This is such a normal thing to expect that they got every single one of those prophets they persecuted. And then he identifies it with Jesus and killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You see, even the prophets identified with Jesus and that was the cause of their persecution. And then again... He says, great is your reward in heaven. Jesus promises unmixed gifts at the end of your earthly journey when you are persecuted for His sake. Every gift right now has some kind of mixture of pain with pleasure, of happiness And grief. But one day. One day there will be no mix. One day there will be only. Blessing in heaven. For those. Who are persecuted. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Blessed because you're fully alive. You're thriving. He just could hardly say it. More forcefully. The best thing that could possibly happen to you is for you to identify with Jesus and bear His insults. I would think that maybe every kingdom person then would begin to ask, okay, what do I have to do to get this kind of blessing? What do I have to do now to receive this sort of treatment that Christ... Um, received so that I might inherit the blessing I want to I want to wrap it up with just some simple statements that I want to leave with you and I'm going to say them and then I'm going to pause and let you think about each one for a moment Because, I I mean, in some respects, he just repeats the same thing three times here in this text. And I've probably done that in my sermon. But these things I want to leave you with. Pursuing the kingdom of heaven will be repulsive to the world. Count on it. Pursuing the kingdom of heaven will be repulsive to the world. I've not said this one yet, but I want to leave it with you anyway. Blessing, the blessing in this text, is not the absence of persecution. Freedom from persecution is not the blessing Jesus has in mind for you as his followers, as kingdom people. Blessing is not the absence of persecution. Persecution on account of secondary things is not this kind of persecution. This persecution is tied directly to Jesus. If you are persecuted because of the way that you are acting, namely you are acting like a jerk, that is not the bless. you will not receive the blessing reflected in the Beatitudes. Even if the end is good, you can have a good uh, intent in a wrong means. And be persecuted because of the way you are. Not the way Jesus is. And then. Someone. Who tries to keep you from being persecuted for righteousness sake. Or on account of Jesus. That person is working against your greatest blessing. Let me say that again. Someone who wants you not to be persecuted on account of Jesus is working against your greatest blessing. In other words because Jesus promises heavenly reward because He promises a kingdom because He promises that you will be His when you are persecuted. You can be unswervingly courageous. Because of the great blessings Jesus promises as he finishes this introduction, you can be unflinching in the face of someone who doesn't like you because of Jesus. And so I want to invite you again every week into life in Jesus' kingdom. Into a life that is full of the richest promises and blessings for those even if they lose the blessings in this world. Because life in the kingdom is life that is truly right side up. Finally. Right side up. May Jesus, our King, be glorified as His people follow Him in His kingdom. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, I pray that You would help us be Jesus' people, help us be kingdom people. Would You cause us to have backbone and courage in the face of discomfort and opposition? And to not worry about it ahead of time. Father, we just need your help for that. And I I just can't finish a message like this without praying for my brothers and sisters uh, who are and have been persecuted, who some are here. Father, would you comfort them? uh, Give them absolute confidence in the promise of Jesus. Father, for our brothers and sisters around the world, some of whom are in Afghanistan and their fates are even unknown at this time, Father, I pray that you would sustain them. Would you cause the the hope of the promise of the kingdom of heaven to give them all that they need to rejoice and be glad in a situation where no one could figure out why they would rejoice and be glad. But, Father, may we all, all of your people, identify so closely with Jesus that his reproach is our reproach, that his blessing is our blessing. And, Lord, we we desire for Jesus to reign in this world and in our hearts unrivaled. So we ask it in his name.